Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. my happy I've returned home music. I'm happy you've returned home too, honey. Do you have the mania, Alice? I have the mania. To do what? The Pennsylvania polka. The polka from Pennsylvania. Sorry, I don't know. All right, it is good to be back. Let me tell you, man, that trip to Hartford is—it's just about long enough. It's—it's not—it's two hours. So, going today, it was the Kirk Minahan show, almost the whole way, and then a little bit of the commentary magazine podcast. Perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. Had a good time. Thank you so much, dear. Sorry about that. Thank you so much to everybody down in Connecticut. We've got a lot of listeners who listen to the radio and now listen to the Burn Barrel. I met a lot of great people, some really awesome, awesome folks down there. It was great. It was a blast. Next time you got to get there early and hang out, Alice. The kids would have loved today's um, today's remote. This was in a nice big lobby, and they could have absolutely. Yeah, maybe the next one I won't have just started a new job so I can take some time off, like real time maybe off. Maybe next off. week you'll come with me. Maybe I'll take... I don't know if I can do next week. Maybe I I'll mean. take a child. Let's say you. I don't know about that. Why? Because I need the older ones to help with the smaller ones here. Why don't I take my man, James? The little ones like him. They respect him and listen to him. Why do they have to be a cohesive unit? Can I, can I just withdraw one and you return You can it? take all of them. That's uh, okay if you want to take them all. If my brother came down with me, I would. I can see if he will. Actually, that might be interesting. Hmm. Um, all right. So what's going on in the world today? 
The stuff that jumped out at me is, and I don't want to be too repetitive, so I missed, if I miss stuff, let me know. So today we talked to, in Connecticut, we talked to Bob Stefanowski. He ran against Lamont and lost last time. He's going to run again for governor. And I thought about it. Has the world swiveled enough now to meet him? Have people, have, it, he's not, he's more like a Charlie Baker in his mannerisms. He's not, he's a, he's not a scary guy. Has, what has he been elected to before this? Stuff. So, uh, maybe not stuff. I don't know. Are you, what are you looking at? I'm just pulling up a story I want to tell you about later. So, but anyway, because the Republican brand is so bad in Connecticut, you wonder, can they win statewide? Now, they did well a month ago, whatever, like most Republicans did. And this administration is hands down running the table on being awful. They're doing everything awful. It is remarkable how bad this administration is. Uh, it, they've, I mean, they're moving, they're going to move now off of Build Back Better. Because mm-hmm. that's ridiculous and dead and, and dumb. And they're going to be moving on to voting because Biden owes that to, um, to who's the guy who got all the votes for him? Was it Elsie Hastings? Who's the guy? Uh, anyway, the guy, the, the majority, the, Clyburn. Oh. Clyburn. He owes him voting, he said. Which is a, a symbolic, ridiculous thing anyway. Cause well, plus the- they're going to frame it like... Like, see, we can't get anything done because we're stuck with Mansion and Cinema, and we can never win more elections unless we pass this voting bill and stop the evil Republicans from suppressing minority voters. Right, and which is their chance to suspend the, the filibuster, mm-hmm. which is what they'll want to do. And which, if they do it, like I said, it's so interesting today that you had, you, I had audio today of, um, of Richard Blumenthal. Talking to the communists, he addressed the <laughs> right, communists in Connecticut, right. saying the Republicans have been abusing the filibuster for years and years and years now. They've been abusing mm-hmm. it, abusing it, abusing it, and of course they've been abusing it in the template Harry Reid gave them. You know, right? Of right. course. Imagine right. what like Trump could have got passed if he didn't have the filibuster right. to contend so, with. So now he's saying that he intends to carve, go, move around, vote against the filibuster, or whatever. And if they do it, then maybe they will we'll get voting reform. I tend to doubt. I don't. I, I don't. I cannot possibly see mm-hmm. how how the Supreme Court would find those provisions anything but anti-federalist poison. Right. Because it's federal overreach. What some hacks going to decide? You know, voting precincts and carve up. Uh, Right. I mean, states run elections. That's right. how this goes. That's how it's supposed to go. And that's really, this was one of my objections to the whole thing about, you know, like the Trump people wanting to throw out the votes from states that, you know, they felt there was treating. And I mean, like, I agree. I don't think those results are 100%, you know, above board. But you know, I, I don't think it's the prerogative of other states or Congress to start throwing out elections from other states. I just don't. Like, if that state and the people that you elected in your state chose to certify those election results, I think that should stand. You know, because I don't want to set that precedent of Maura Healy 
in Massachusetts deciding that we need to challenge Texas's electoral votes and throw them out because she doesn't like how they run their elections. You know, like Texas gets to run Texas's elections. Arizona gets to run Arizona's elections. Massachusetts gets to run Massachusetts elections. And I don't want Congress or Joe Biden or anyone else telling states how to do it. Like I if states want to decide their elections in unfair, stupid ways, then that's their own problem. Not your problem in a different state. Because I I don't want to set that precedent, and I think it's really bad. And I think Democrats, if they had a tiny bit of foresight, shouldn't want that either. But, of course, they don't because they're small-brained or something. Right, and they're going to think it's unheard of when the Republicans are using filibuster carve-outs. My goodness. Shocking. When Republicans pass a national voter ID law because... Democrats will have set the precedent that the federal government gets to run elections in every state in the country, then there's going to be crying and wailing and screaming. But, you know, that's that's how right. it goes. And they're they're not going to for a second look back at their own behavior and think about what it is. But there's I, very little democratic introspection ever, <laughs> ever. But I don't but I don't want this to happen either. Democrats, I'm trying to warn you, don't do this. Don't try and reform elections federally. I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's really, really bad. And I think that we should let states run their own elections. And the truth is that, you know, they're big on touting individual provisions from Build Back Better and saying how popular they are. Like, oh, like the child tax credit is so popular. Oh, universal pre-K is so popular. You know, they like to like pick out individual things without the price tag or the rest of the bill and then say how popular they are. If you do that with this Democratic voting bill, it's the opposite. Literally everything in it when you poll people individually on the issues is so unpopular. Having no voter ID is so unpopular. Having universal mail-in balloting is so unpopular. Like this stuff just doesn't People want elections that they can trust across the board. I mean, it's bipartisan. People want to vote and know that their vote counted and know that, you know, the illegal immigrant who lives down the streets vote didn't count. You know, like mm-hmm. they they want to know and they want to believe that the vote is is fair and accurate and honest. And like, I mean, that benefits everybody. That benefits everybody. To have people doubting elections does nobody any favors on either side. The people that win or the people that lose. It's a bad, bad situation. So everybody should want to make elections as transparent and fair as possible. Which sometimes, yes, means having some barriers to voting, you know, that make it a little bit harder to vote, but ensure that the vote is fair and accurate. Right. So so bringing it back to where I started is that I... I wonder just how much the I know the Democratic brand has been hurt and how much the Republican brand has been repaired. Well, I think we can agree that the Trump brand for most people in the middle and left has not been repaired. That is not acceptable, right? So, but as far as Republicans go, and pe- like pe- blue big deep blue states with governors like potential governors like Stefanowski, I do think that there is. Even in these woke states, that I think people are starting to see the light, and I think that for in Connecticut it's rising crime, and for a lot of places it's the way their kids have been abused in the schools by the mask mandates and the distancing and the the Zoom schooling and all that crap. That was Virginia was a big thing. They mm-hmm. felt absolutely abused. But Virginia is not Connecticut or Massachusetts. Well, I understand that, but you have a you have people who certainly are not pleased 
with the way their kids have been treated in the schools. At the same time, on a national level, you have an administration where you'd have to be just looking for an empty validation to say this guy is doing anything good. The only thing he's doing is he's, he's not Trump. There's no doubt about that. But his his behavior is more malevolent than Trump's. It's not as wildy, wily and, and, uh, and uncouth as Trump's, but it's darker than Trump's behavior ever, ever was. He, this guy is dividing the country, accusing one half of the country of murdering the other half. He's happy to use that. He's a dark, cynical man who's got no good ideas. He has no good execution. He doesn't have a good administration. He doesn't have good people around him. His vice president is rubbish. He's the administration. The only it's only the only part of his administration standing on two feet is the communication shop who spends their time gaslighting and trying to dunk on Americans, gaslighting Americans and trying to dunk on people, telling them things aren't really that bad, scoffing at the problems of Americans, which is a, something, which is a rudimentary thing you can't do. It feels good in the moment, and it's a sake bomb, that's great. But George H.W. Bush, in some large part, lost to Clinton because he insisted that the recession was over. And the recession was over, uh, technically. On paper. Yes, but it didn't feel like it was over to people who uh, were hurting. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a chance There's a chance that things are happening. And also, yeah, or people like, are look moving. At now, Dave, Dave Rubin now. Thing. We should get Rubin on. For, try to get him on. I'll try to get him on tomorrow. Okay. Dave Rubin's now moving out of California and into Texas. I mean. Texas or Florida? Oh, one of the two. Uh, maybe Florida. You're right, you're right. It's Florida. You're right. Okay. So there is so much happening now that all of the all of the momentum is on the other side is on the other side. And so that leads me to other bellwether events that tell me either polling or input or merely in, in these are blue states I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened in Connecticut yet. I can tell you that. They're still scoffing at people who are complaining. They're mm-hmm. still saying when you complain about the crime in Connecticut, they're saying, oh, please. Where since 1990, they've gone down this much. Okay. Yeah, but since 2019. <laughs> right. So, so here's the thing. And I, and, and I'm gonna, I should write about this because I haven't done the substack in six days because I'm freaking slammed. But I should write about this. But there... People in Connecticut are used to what's happened now. A lot of people. Some people are like, what's going on with the crime? I would be the person to, and this is what I should do, just write my my perception of different towns. Mm-hmm. My perception of Glastonbury is it's rife with crime, stolen cars, stolen cri- criminals going through neighborhoods. That's because that it supplies me with stories about that every day. <laughs> now, they don't think Glastonbury, they think it's a very nice town. It looks nice when you go it to is it. Nice. We stayed there last time. But it's also, just from what I, just uh, as a newcomer, the, see, the, the, the reality of what's happening there is starting to outweigh, to overtake the established old brand of what it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's the Glastonbury. It's very nice. Well, at least to me, I'm somebody who doesn't know anybody. I have no data bank of Glastonbury from 10 years ago, from five years ago, from three years ago, from whatever. To me, it's a place I go to and expect that we're going to have some Glastonbury stuff happening. So were you attacked or carjacked or anything during your uh, no, time No, unfortunately not. <laughs> no, I had, no, I was in my room. My, my friend Cesar, you know uh, him, 
Mm-hmm. My, my Domino's guy, he's uh, the only contact I really had. And I, there was no, <laughs> where I stayed, there was nowhere for me to be for anything to happen, unfortunately. Uh, so, and I did go to a, a Nike and site. And maybe they was, don't go for, you know, 20-year-old Volvos in there. They, actually, they have pretty good taste. You're right. A lot of Beamers <laughs> are moving. So, but now let's look at London Breed. She is the woke mayor of San Francisco. She's mm-hmm. the one who simply had to go watch Tony, Tony, Tony play a few months ago while right. the city was locked down. She carves out an exception for herself to break the COVID rules whenever she wants to. Now, she came out today and said something rather shocking. And remember, she has been as woke as the wokest ever. Today, she let loose. Now, we'll discuss why in a moment, but this is what she said. It comes to an end. She's talking about the crime and the conditions in the streets of San Francisco. It comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bull that has destroyed our city. That is London Breed sounding more like Joe Arpaio than London Breed. She continues. We are not going to just walk by and let someone use in broad daylight on the streets and not give them the choice between going to the location we have identified them or going to jail. What I'm proposing today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't care. And we are past the point where what we see is even remotely acceptable. So she says, I'm going to make people uncomfortable and I don't care. That is the middle finger to a little organization I call Black Lives Matter. That is a middle finger to wokeness. Now, whether it's because she's seeing polling from San Franciscans saying we're sick, whether she's seeing businesses say, saying, hey, we can't, this doesn't work for us anymore, um, or she's getting phone calls and emails, etc., into uh, City Hall saying, this place sucks, we're the butt of jokes, this was San Francisco, which really was like one of the nicest cities mm-hmm. if just a few years ago, is a bleephole now, that is its new brand. Is it's a bleep hole, people defecating in the streets. That's what you think is in San Francisco. It used to be trolleys. Now it's not anymore. That's what it is. I'm not suggesting that she had she's seen the light, that she got a, a, a visitation from a from a, from Anaheim. But something is compelling her. And that is a very interesting thing. This is California, San Francisco. That is Nancy Pelosi's realm. And if this woman's saying we're going with a gusto at crime, broken window theory, cops on the streets, which she's saying she wants to flood the the streets with cops, Mm -hmm. then the days of Black Lives Matter are more than somewhat over. Yeah, I would say, among other things, probably local businesses are, and not so local businesses are going to her office and saying, we need you to do something here because mm-hmm. I mean, like a bunch of these stores, I think it's like Walgreens and some of the others, they they've started to shut down locations and pull them out because the losses from the shoplifting and they can't get customers if there's like 
people defecating and shooting up like outside the door of the establishment. You can't like run a business like that. So businesses are leaving. That's tax dollars leaving all that stuff. You know, that's that's not great for them. No. So it's it's not in in um and I forgot what the name of the place was, but I think that uh, where that where that um, Neiman Marcus was that was rolled, and those other places were <laughs> in San Francisco, um, Walnut Creek. I think that either that's in San Fran or Nearby Greater it. San Fran yeah. or close enough. It's yeah. I mean, you can't run a city that way. People can't live there. Businesses can't stay there. It's a disaster, and. You know, people have been saying it's a disaster for quite a while, and there's been lots of scoffing from liberals, like how you talked about in Connecticut, where people are saying crime's up there. Psh, since the 90s, crime is way down. You know, and there's been lots of, like, please, San Francisco's amazing and wonderful, like, you know, tweeting the view from their window and being like, oh, yeah, is this a disaster? Looks good to me. You know, lots of, like, ridiculousness about how lovely it is. But it's... I mean, it's bad and it's becoming undeniable because everybody knows it's going on. And I mean, like, I think that you tweeted those pictures from or you didn't tweet the pictures. Our listener tweeted the pictures from the Norwich State Hospital when we were talking about that. You know, the state mental institutions obviously were uh, horrible places from what I understand. But I mean, like, just allowing people to be on the streets using drugs, mentally ill, mm. homeless. Like, I I don't see how that's less cruel it's in a not, lot of ways. It, it, and I, there has to be a third way between locking people up in evil institutions that experiment on them and are cruel to them and just, like, l- leaving them all out to die and live in their own feces in the streets like there is, this can't be the only solution to this problem it, because it's because it's cruel it's equally cruel yes. i really believe that it is and and i don't think that um you know it i don't think that people that advocate for the unhoused should be um <laughs> you know avoiding talking about the the reality that a lot of homeless people are are mentally ill and and it, they don't suffer from a lack of access to treatment. They don't want treatment. Of course. You know, that somebody's going to have to force them to get the mental health treatment that they need in some form or other. It, because the it's not it's not a healthy situation what we have in liberal cities where we're just like decriminalizing, 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 allowing people to use in the streets, setting up safe injection sites. Like this isn't solving the problem clearly. So, uh, you know, and and you can provide access to services all you want, but people, uh, the people still live on the streets, and that's what they're doing, and they get. You know, they get shuffled around from shelter to shelter and go in and out of services and pop in and out of the system as needed, depending what they want, and and end up back where they were. And a lot of them die, and a lot of them suffer terribly. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't see where the compassion is on the left for this problem. And I know sometimes the ways Republicans have talked about it historically have also not been compassionate, but I... I don't think what we're seeing right now is compassionate in practice, even if it's very compassionate in rhetoric. Right, yeah. The great David Rudnow used to say deinstitutionalization gave the right to homeless people to freeze to death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, and like I say, like, I don't think 
that those institutions were necessarily great places. Like I was reading about that Norwich place too. And like, Mm. they lost a lot of patience in the process. They were not great to people. It's such a nice building though. My goodness, it's beautiful. I can't wait I don't get it. Did we like forget how to make buildings look nice? I don't understand why nothing built today ever looks nice. And like old buildings, even like horrible ones where they tortured people, like all look beautiful. That's a good point. I'm gonna. I thought about this, and I thought about you saying that. Mm-hmm. And I think, amongst other things, um, it, the, those buildings were made before they had. There was heat inside buildings, so it all it was all fireplaces. If it was 1900, it was all fireplaces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there must be something with the with the with the uh, efficiency of heating something that fireplaces just don't work. And I think. Uh, that that uh, that just having that kind of building doesn't work. I assume peak efficiency. Uh, I'd assume. I'm not sure. I mean, that is interesting because remember that old stone house museum we visited in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one of the oldest schools ever, whatever. And um, and that third floor where the students lived, and it was all heated by fireplaces, and the ceilings were like super low. Huh. Do you remember that? Like. I mean, like, awkwardly low. Like, our house also has low right. ceilings because it was built in 1726. But, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, there's probably an efficiency thing. But I don't know. If we could get the Green New Deal people to endorse making buildings look pretty for efficiency, I could get behind some of that. Like, if we could make government buildings not right. all hideous, then that would be, like, a win. I'd be for that. But I want personal veto power. I want to be on the committee that decides. Yeah, but I agree that there should be beautiful buildings again. But uh, I just... But I don't get it. Like, we've lived in towns where there's tons of development and all the buildings they build are ugly. Yeah, that's true. Why does it have to be? Well, how about this as well? Uh, Building materials. We were... The granite industry was, was booming then. Perhaps some other industries that made getting these materials that you use to make beautiful buildings uh, cheap, relatively, maybe? But I think some of it's, like, the detail, too, Mm because even, like, the town we lived in before, there was a historical commission, and they had to make, like, brick buildings or whatever. And, like, and they did, but it just wasn't the same. And I think it's, like, the detail, like, the little ornate things around the windows, those, these, like, little details that... Is it possible that it was, it that was built privately at first? You know, we are, we could get answers to all these questions. Let's let's let's, let's table it and look at somewhere else. I want to change the subject a little bit. Okay. Um, when I was a young man, Alice, of twenty years old, nineteen, and then twenty years old, I used to drink in a bar called the Red Hat mm-hmm. in Old Scully Square in Boston. Since I got in there, I think you've taken me there. Yes, absolutely, we have with John and Shelley. As a matter of fact, since we since we. Since I got in there, underage, once, then I was kind of good to go for good. So I kept going there. It became my local bar, and I brought my friend, who was only 18, Mike, in there. And that became our place, the Red Hat in mm-hmm. in Boston. The Red Hat featured a guy, a bartender named Mike. Okay. Who was probably only in his 30s then, but had a voice, his voice was raspy, and... Word was, the r- rumor was, I can't confirm this, but I would say the likelihood is very, very strong 
that Mike certainly drank during the shift, mm-hmm. but also enjoyed a good amount of cocaine during the shift. <laughs> he was a great bartender. Don't get me wrong. This guy may be very pleased in the in the. And he was a great guy. He still is. A, I saw him a few years ago, but he sounded he sounded about fifty six years old, and he was oh, he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. But Mike sounded like this. I'm gonna listen, let you listen to another local guy, Alice. You know, they, during the divorce, they printed f-ing horrible lies, uh, horrible mean. Like what? Is that Affleck? Can you believe it? <laughs> no, he sounds like Alec Baldwin. <laughs> right. This is Ben Affleck with Howard Stern yesterday. In this interview, the, just the fact that he sounds like this is to me. He sounds like that picture of him that's the meme where he's like holding the cigarette and the coffee outside a building. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. So listen to this. There's Affleck with uh, Howard Stern. He's t- he's talking about why he had to break up with Jen Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. You know, they, during the divorce, they printed f-ing horrible lies, uh, horrible mean. Like what? What were the lies? I don't even want to give voice to it because then goes, oh, they said this, they said that. Anything uh-huh. you read about that was bullshit. The truth was, we we took our time. We made the decision. We didn't want to show the kind of we we grew apart. We had a marriage that didn't work. This happens. This guy's my age. Fine. He looks better than me. <laughs> but holy hell, not only is he not sound like him, he sounds like a little bit like Harvey Firestein, but he's also now got some crappy accent from I don't know where. It ain't Boston. Horrible. I didn't work. Somebody I love and respect, but... To whom I was, I shouldn't be married any longer. And um, we said, you know what? We don't want. To. Ultimately, we we tried, we tried, we tried because we had kids. And then we said, we don't. Both of us felt like we don't want this to be the model that our kids see of marriage. Biggest really compromised. I don't want them to grow up and go, oh, my parents. And you know what? I would have ended up. We probably had each other's throats. I'd probably still be drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody want to fact check that? <laughs> I mean, wasn't he? So, wasn't it a whole thing? Like he was cheating with chicks, like on well, Tom Brady's plane or something. Me, I mean, I don't know. I hadn't heard that, but maybe who knows? But it was a thing that in you know five years ago he was catatonically plastered, and she was driving him to rehab all the time. I'm not a Jennifer Garner person. I don't. I oh, resent women with. I've always been with on dimples, her side. In dimples. Um, I've always been on her side in this because she's wholesome and good, and he's that. That seems to be the case, and he is a dirtbag. And yeah, w- w- he sounds like Mike, the bartender and from Red House. And now he's back with the ex too. Like that's uh, so bad. That's so bad. Don't get back with the same girl from before the marriage, because then doesn't it like seem like none of that counted? Kind of like he's just rolling back time. Well, listen, it gets worse, Alice. Hold okay, on. hold on. Okay. Part of why I started drinking alcohol was I was trapped. You know, I was like, I can't leave because of my kids, but I'm not happy. What do I do? And what I did was like, you know, drink a bottle of scotch and fall asleep on the couch, which turned out not to be the solution. He was trapped by her, Alice. It's incredible to me. Like, I mean, we've definitely had stressors in our marriage, Mm -hmm. for sure, including like financial stressors and everything else that make it hard to get along. But it's incredible to me that two incredibly wealthy, incredibly good looking people that have kids and can afford like whatever they need to make themselves happy, like 
can't we just can't figure out a way to make it work like you guys could go to disney world once a week and like i mean we yeah, but like she's enjoy, not complaining we enjoy like going out to that's why i'm saying i like don't believe him like because you could you know like we enjoy as a family like going out to restaurants and having a family time at a restaurant or whatever like they can do that three meals a day every day. Like, you can arrange your life to be, like, however you want it to be. And still, somehow, you're finding a way to be unhappy. That's on you. Like, there's right. no, but, but like... The thing is that, so, to me, he sound, those are, to me, those are the words of a selfish SOB and an addict. And because I felt trapped. You know, she wants to do stuff like change the baby and move into baby stuff and beef to family stuff and whatever and you know he wants to go on a in his private jet to meet with uh you know with damon and uh and and uh clooney and and you know vegas or whatever they do i felt trapped but it she was also trapped she yeah, was also she was trapped. trapped with you which is worse yeah she was trapped with you but- being in having she was trapped having to be the only adult in the relationship <laughs> well you're passed out on the couch she's doing mom stuff Yeah, and, like, don't you think, too, that, I mean, so to what extent do you think that we're reading into them characters that we've seen them play in movies, too, versus, like, or just have they always just played themselves in movies this whole time? I don't know enough about her to know. uh, All I know is it That's her in, like, what's the movie? The Juno movie, right? right. Like, where she's wholesome and good, and the husband's like, I'm so trapped. Oh, right. (laughs) I want to be in a band. Like, shut up. Oh, so annoying. And then, like, he's always, like, the loser, annoying boyfriend, Yeah, but for, for him to say, okay, we'll stay there for the kids. Why? Don't do them any favors. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I guess he was here. He felt trapped the whole time. Here's another picture of me and trapped Dad. Here's Christmas and me and trapped Dad. At least he stayed here and drank scotch on the sofa for me. <laughs> Part of why I started drinking alcohol was I was trapped. You know, I was like, I can't leave because of my kids, but I'm not happy. What do I do? And what I did was like, you know, drink a bottle of scotch and fall asleep on the couch, which turned out not to be the solution. I'm trapped with my beautiful Hollywood life, wife and several houses and, and kids and everything I could ever want. I'm This is trapped. He's just simply an a-hole in an addict, as far as, far as I can say. Right. And making it about him. You know? Right. I'm think- emotionally trapped, so... I had to be the worst me possible. Well, she felt emotionally trapped too, but she was the best her possible. But he's a selfish prick. Yeah. And, I mean, you say he's an addict, but it's, like, not just addicted to, like, drugs or alcohol that's the issue. It's addicted to, like, being famous and being cool and going out and having a good time and having girls be impressed by you and all that stuff. Like, that he just can't find a way to like himself and be happy without constant validation from, like, hot chicks at the club or whatever or in the private jet or whatever. Like, you know, that... I mean, I don't know. I guess it's, like, an insight into famous people's deep, deep, deep mental issues because... I don't know how deep they are. I think they're... (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, deep as in like they. Yes, they're at the surface too, but they they have deep roots, like, and they're just not fixed. I don't know. Like, is anybody famous? I mean, I guess Jennifer Garner has managed to figure out how to like be a parent and a famous person. And, she like, has a very funny quote. I'm not sure if you've ever seen her. And like for all their issues, look at like Tom and Giselle, right? Like, I was mad about the Bridget Moynihan stuff. What are their issues? I mean, they're weird. Well, okay, they're weird. But they're not like, but yeah, they don't have this. But they're also not weird. In a way, you know, he's like a, a really nice, really exemplary guy. Yeah, but I mean, they like don't eat sugar. Right, who cares? That's their <laughs> I mean, own thing. Yeah, they both so believe and they could be right that they're superior machines. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they're weird. That's fine. But I guess my point is about that. That's when I say they, they, they're not without their issues. I mean that. And I mean like the Bridget Moynihan stuff like him. But she was probably too normal for him because he's like a weird alien or whatever. No, I think she was nuts, Moynihan. Oh, she was not. I don't know. But I was like But she was very attractive. Like, leaving the pregnant girlfriend is sort of like not uh, really yeah. great, really great behavior. So I like didn't like that at the time. But like, Tom and Giselle seem to have like a pretty wholesome life, right? Like they do stuff with their kids and they're good. But I also think that Tom Brady is very—he is a person of self-discipline. Like he has to be if he's mm-hmm. like never tasted a strawberry or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, he is. Into practicing self-denial and discipline and, like, making himself be the best that he can be. And those same skills that are required to be able to, like, last in a sport until you're 50 or whatever he's trying to do are the same skills that are required in, like, having a marriage and kids and stuff is learning to take pleasure in things that take work sometimes. Well, and if you've, I like, agree with that, but I also think, mm-hmm. and I think that's true. But I also think that he comes from an extremely tight family. Mm-hmm. He talks about his dad and mom all the time. He loves them. They're extremely important to him. That's everything. He gets emotional when he talks about either of them. Right. Either of them. Um, and I think that that, if you're like that, then he's not really filling a void. He's a competitive bastard. He wants to be the best. Right. But he's not filling a deficit that wasn't fulfilled by his family. He's got his family, by all indications, was wonderful for him. Mm-hmm. And so I think he sees that as the goal. That's the thing to to be and do. Right. And he's done a good job with it. Even like subsequently with the Moynihan stuff and including mm-hmm. the other kids and like he's by all accounts and everything I've ever seen been an awesome parent. And so has Giselle, and they, you know, do their thing, and they might be weird and not the type of parents that I am. Probably better parents in a Yeah, they put their, them up against ourselves. <laughs> but, but I just, like, it is interesting how, I mean, some people manage to be celebrities and not total screw-ups, but, like, other people can't seem to put it together, no matter, like, how famous they are, how much they have everything they could ever have wanted, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. And then that's, that's Damon's... I mean, sorry, Affleck has just been... He's been... There was always... I mean, when he did that show 20 years ago with the Project Greenlight, I mean, he was drunk during that, too, and I, and I don't mind that. Obviously, I drink, but he was a jerk, too. I just think maybe he's one of those guys who's famous and doesn't know how to be. And he's good looking, so sometimes he thinks he's getting it right because he's getting validated by women. 
Mm-hmm. And by but women are really bad judges. No, offense. yeah. No offense to us, ladies, but like we're not always like the best judges of character in the world. Um, especially when it comes to people who look like Ben Affleck. I think sometimes we let our. I mean, same for guys. I think. But uh, yeah. No, I mean, and he's been good in some stuff. I really liked him in the Romeo and Juliet movie, Shakespeare oh, just in stop, Love. Just stop it. It's so good. Don't, no, it's not good. It sucks. That's a great movie. Like, any Gwyneth Shakespeare Patrick? is terrible. Stop it. Stop it. Um, anything with Shakespeare is not good at writing. I'm sorry. He's not good at writing. He's really no, good he's at not. writing. He sucks. His stuff is not good. It's boring. It's laborious. It's awful to read. It's funny that you say it's that, also though, encrypted. because... <laughs> It's funny that you say that because the thing about Shakespeare was at the time that it wasn't encrypted and it wasn't boring and it did grab people because it appealed not just to like the queen who would come to the plays, but also to the like Poi Poloi who, you know, would come in off the streets of London and watch stuff. They also liked it and thought it was funny and thought it was great. They were all wrong, Alice. They also did bloodletting and, uh, you know... medical maybe you just speaking of things that take a little bit of work to enjoy maybe you just have not put in the work to be able to understand the very slightly antiquated english so that you can get enjoyment out of it because some things you know it's like playing a musical instrument in order to have fun playing a musical instrument you first have to practice to get good enough at it I to don't, have you know fun what? if you, you know, want to like, tell me to, 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 about suffering the sling slings and arrows of outrageous fortune fortune just tell me what the fuck you mean you don't talk like that okay okay don't be uh, mr okay now well That's no fine. i have a little bit of that but, but okay the, i was because i was forced to memorize that which i don't even understand at all what it means because <laughs> it doesn't mean anything but I have a question for you. Okay. Who are you wearing? I can't tell you that. Okay. Well, it seems to me there's some cultural appropriation happening there. But it's of the Nordics, so that doesn't count. What Nordics? This is like Nordic looking. In what lands are they from? Like Sweden and Norway and stuff. You're allowed to culturally appropriate them because they're like white. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't know. It's allowed. I, I feel know. like I'm in a fro- one of the Frozen movies right now. Oh, talk about um, I've culturally appropriate marinating in whiteness. My God, Elsa Shattuck <laughs> just enjoying her uh, her coat of whiteness. This is what I do now to keep warm in our house, so I don't have to turn the heat up too high Good. and cost us money. Up. We're having rolling blackouts. You know that, right? Good. Good. Well, I'm warm in my little fleecy Nordic thing, so I'm good. I'm all set. I'm ready for the roll. We don't have a generator. I'm talking. I'm telling you that we're going to have a problem because the pipes are going to freeze. Well, they cost like two thousand dollars. Do you want to go out and buy one? I don't know. Well, I don't know, Alice. But what do we do when the house becomes a refrigerator? Uh, we turn off the water and huddle and burn the furniture. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want? Excellent. Sounds like a plan. What do you there want you go. me to tell you? Great. Bring the burn barrel inside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else is going on, bro? Uh, so I have a couple things. Where did I put my phone? Okay. So um, this story went viral, and I needed to get your take because I felt that you would really, um, you would have strong opinions on this. So anyway, so this was on Reddit. Am I the a hole? Um. So here's the story. Am I the a-hole for perpetuating ethnic stereotypes about Jorts the cat? 
Who's that cat? Here we go. Okay. We have two workplace cats in one area of our worksite. They add value to the worksite. We all love the cats, and the worksite cat presence is not the issue. One of the cats, Jean, is a tortoiseshell cat we've had for years. The other cat, Jorts, is a large orange cat and a recent addition. Jorts is just kind of a simple guy. For example, Jorts can't open a door even when it's ajar. He shoves it whether he's going in or out, so often he closes the door he's trying to go through. This means he's often trapped inside the place he was trying to exit and meows until he is rescued. My colleague Pam has been spending a lot of time trying to teach Jorts things. The doors thing is the main example. It's a real issue because the cats are fed in a closet and Jorts keeps pushing the door closed. Jean can actually open all the interior doors since they're a lever type knob, but she can't open this particular door if she's trapped inside the closet. Torty Jean is very nice to poor orange Jorts, but she's kept busy letting him out of rooms he has trapped himself in, so this seems easy to resolve. I put down a doorstop. Pam then said I was depriving Jorts of the chance to learn and kept removing the doorstop. She set up a series of special learning activities for Jorts and tried to put these tasks on the whiteboard of daily team tasks. I erased them. She thinks we need to teach him how to clean himself better and how to get out of minor barriers like when he gets a cup stuck on his head, etc. I love Jorts, but he's just dumb and we can't change that. Don't get me wrong, watching her try and teach Jorts how to walk through a door is hilarious, but Jean got locked in the closet twice last week. Yesterday, I installed a cat cutout in the door and Pam started getting really huffy. I made a gentle joke about you can't expect Jean's tortoiseshell smarts from orange cat Jorts, which made Pam furious. She started crying and left the hallway and then sent an email to the group and went home early. In her email, Pam said I was perpetuating ethnic stereotypes by saying orange cats are dumb and is demanding a racial sensitivity training before she will return. I don't think it's irrelevant. I don't think it's relevant, but in case Pam is a white person and a mostly minority staff and she is not ginger and does not have red hair. Am I the a-hole for enforcing an ethnic stereotype by joking that orange cats are dumb? <laughs> so what's your what's your verdict? I think that the the quick and thoughtful fix is to roll a grenade into the workspace <laughs> and um, blow them all up, including Pam, including Jorts, including Jean, including everybody else there. Well, I've, you'll be pleased to know that Jorts and Jeans now have their own Instagram account because this went viral and they're now famous, so. <laughs> I think then the practical remedy is for whoever's on Quick Tower 4 to power up the wave motion gun and destroy this earth because I'm good to go now. <laughs> I'm actually good to go no matter what. Let's just, just burn it all down. Um, so anyway, it was resolved, um, and eventually there was an update, and um, Pam agreed to stop assigning other members of the team at work tasks to help Jorts learn how to open doors, and um, and uh, the poster agreed to stop writing a sign that said, days since Jorts has had a trash can mishap from the workplace, and... They're all going to get along now and work out their issues. I'm joining what I call a Taliban, Allison. <laughs> Full allegiance. I'll lose weight. I'll do whatever they want me to. Just so that you can firebomb Jordan jeans at the mm -hmm. work site? What else you got? Anything? Um. So, well, do you mind if I break a little news here on the Burn Barrel Podcast? Sure. You had a uh, little bun in the oven, Alice? No. All right. 
Um, well, it will come as no surprise to um, people in Massachusetts that Charlie Baker is not running for re-election, and Maura Healy is very likely to run mm-hmm. for election. Um, and today, I got a poll from Maura Healy on my phone. Nice. Oh, I got a bunch of calls. I should have answered them, I guess. Um, well, this is a this was a text poll. My headphones are weird. Oh. I understand. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well. It's okay, Jorts. It's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Just a poor little orange cat over here. Um, okay. So, uh, you may ask how I know this poll was from Mar Healy. If I was that interested, I would have, yes, but go ahead. Go ahead, I, Alice. I'm just saying, because last time this happened, I... You broke it, news. You, you leaked it. News, you handed it off to, to a nurse. that I didn't break the news on the burn oh, barrel. Oh, break the news on the burn barrel. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just trying to do what I was asked to do here. Oh, man. So, but I got a poll from Maura Healy, who uh, wants to know if I like how Charlie Baker's doing as governor. Do I approve of the way Maura Healy's attor- being attorney general? Um, You're not leaking that to the Boston Herald. No, I'm not. No, those days no, are over. No. Um. Okay. Uh. So Maura Healy wanted to know which issues I, th- how often I personally worry about each of these issues. So I want you, honey, to rank them in how often you nice. worry about these. So like very often, not very often. Increasing crime. Uh, very often. Racial inequality and unfair treatment of people of color. Never is that one. <laughs> the growing gap between the rich and everyone else. Negatory. The threat posed by climate change and extreme weather. No. I think more about jorts and jeans than <laughs> the climate change. More children with mental health problems and depression since the COVID pandemic started. Very much. The high cost of health care and health insurance. Uh, middle of the road. Inflation and higher prices. Very much. The high cost of housing. In a not applicable. <laughs> uh, high taxes in Massachusetts. Yes. Getting the economy back on track after COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she wanted to know how much of an impact inflation has had on us and our family's finances over the last year. And I would say has. a significant impact. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she wanted to know how we think COVID has been handled in the Massachusetts public schools. Yes, badly. <laughs> um, so she wanted to know... Um, if we would vote for Jeff Deal or Maura Healy. Jeff Deal is the Republican who's running. Who's, Deal me in. Yeah, who's lovely, and I like him, but unless something significant happens, does not have a really big uh, shot. Uh, you, you hold on now. I said unless something significant happens. There would have to be a pretty big wave year, I think, in my opinion. Um, okay, which of these issues do you think is the most important for the next governor to prioritize? Taxes? Transportation and infrastructure? The high cost of living? Racial justice, jobs in the economy, education, health care, or climate change? Jobs in the economy. Okay. Are there any other top priorities that you think the governor should have among those listed? I do. I think we should stop teaching critical race theory or the tendrils of it. Does that fall under racial justice? (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) Or education. I'm not sure. I think we should stop letting the girls win all the boys' sports. Mm, I don't think Mar Healy's going to want to hear yeah. that from you. Um, okay, so now I need oh, you to We don't to have to go through the whole thing, I don't think. Wait. Should we? Okay, yeah, go I ahead. think we should. Okay. Here, I'm going to give you some pieces of information about a potential 
random candidate for governor, and you're going to tell me if you find this appealing mm-hmm. or not appealing. A candidate who says we need to address the surge in mental health and depression problems caused by the COVID pandemic. I like that. A candidate who says we need to be much more aggressive about fighting climate change. I don't like that. A candidate who says we need to do more to advance racial and economic justice. Negatory. A candidate who will prioritize making college more affordable. No. A candidate who says we need to work faster to fix crumbling roads, bridges, and public transportation. I really give a shit, to be honest. A candidate who says we should not be teaching critical race theory in our public schools. Yes. A candidate who favors increasing taxes on households making more than a million dollars a year. No. A candidate who favors replacing our current health care system with a government-run Medicare for all health care program. Mm, no. A candidate... Can you do that from the state of Massachusetts? <laughs> a candidate who will push the Democratic legislature in Massachusetts to take bolder action. <laughs> <laughs> How confident are you Mara Healy would be a good governor? I'm not confident. Um, now we're, they're going to tell you some reasons why you should like Mara Healy. We can't go through this, this whole thing else, can we? I, people can turn off the show. We won't do anything else after this. So okay. if you, if you hate this, then goodbye. Okay. Okay. Can I go too or no? <laughs> no, I need you okay. here. Mara Healy knows that a strong economy is essential to building a better state. As governor, she will increase access to job training programs and affordable college, and she'll support small businesses, entrepreneurs, and businesses of color with the resources needed to spark an economy where more people can thrive in new ways. What are businesses of color, by the way? <laughs> Paint Just, shops. Do you find that really compelling? Does that now make you want to vote for her? Maura Healy knows we are in a moment of great challenge and urgency. She will listen and find common ground with people of all parties to solve the big problems facing Massachusetts. She will bring people together to act on education, child care, climate change, jobs, racial justice, and more. Okay, let's start beginning to roll the credits, shall we? I get it. I'm going to need that for tomorrow's Substack, though. Okay, now that you've heard the arguments, are you more in favor of her candidacy? (laughs) Oh. Thank you. Media and You need to start up the 1570 project immediately. <laughs> Restart that thing right now. That was going to be my New Year's resolution was to start back up the 1570 okay. project. So anyway, uh, media inquiries, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at burnbarrelpod. We're at facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. Uh, we are also... Where else are we? I don't know. We're on Rumble. That's where you can find the video versions of our podcast. I'm scared to put them up on YouTube because they're going to delete our whole channel, including all our old videos, and I don't want that. So uh, anyway, find us later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.